right, we're here with Nina, who is hosting a little Tuesday get-together. And she has gone all out. Yep, she's done the fancy charcuterie thing. <gasps> Look at those solid maple serving boards. So classy. And those gold room side plates? Gorgeous. Oh, you're absolutely right. And she got it all at Marshall's for way less. Even the cheese? No, not the cheese, but that to die for sequin top. Marshalls? Yep, Marshalls. Fabulous brands. Feel good prices at Marshalls. All right, back here on the Sports Grind, 736-9760, broadcasting here from the Rounders Car Club Studios. Calvin Casey, Sam's been the one and twos. This next segment is going to be presented by Integrity Advisors Agency of Stephen Reese. Uh, keep in mind, Stephen Reese is a fully virtual insurance broker. He can find you the best rates out there, the lowest rates. That's because he represents over... 40 different carriers for auto, home, life, and renter's insurance. Give him a call. His number is 210-641-4000. That is Stephen Reese, Integrity Advisors Agency, official sponsor of the sports grind. Um, okay, back to Kevin Durant. And this is why Rudy's not here today, because this is the stuff that I'm talking about when we did our little battle, and he wanted to go ahead and come to, you know, Kevin's defense with, 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 with Shannon and, Shannon's corny and all that, fine. But this is the this is the type of stuff with Kevin. So um, if you're just tuning in, I'd say that he had did a, a podcast interview, and he was asked to name his top five players, that, teammates that he's played with. And he named Kyrie Irving, Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, James Harden, and Serge Ibaka. And he tried to act, you know, he tried to play country dumb, when the guy asked him, the guy doing the interview, like, well, Kevin, what about Russell Westbrook? Oh, Russ? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, that's right, man. Thanks for calling me out on that, man. No, Russ definitely be on the top five. Man, you left Russ out on purpose. Russ was left out on purpose. And and to me, I just feel like, why do you, like, that just shows again the guy is, like the sensi- sensitivity is also that's that's without a question. That's the obvious. But also, I'm starting to think: is he really an attention? Is he is he an attention grabber? Is 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 really? Because why do you? I mean, I understand you're doing an interview podcast, but you ask certain questions. There's ways to answer certain questions. But why would you want to even entertain this in the middle of a season where now you're the favorites to win the championship? And really, you've been in and out of the lineup because you haven't been able to get healthy. But I just don't understand why you want to cause this, bring that attention to you. And this is the stuff that I'm talking about with KD. It's lame. It's lame. Has Russ, I know you told me Russ put up some stuff. He, he became part of history this weekend and so many triple doubles. Has he commented on this? Has he said anything or anybody brought this to his attention yet? No, I, I haven't seen I haven't seen anything uh from Russ's side at all. Okay. Okay. I wouldn't expect it, honestly, because Russ is the way he's treated the media this year, he's been very controlling of uh of the narrative and hasn't really given them True. a chance to ask questions like this. Or when they do, he he just always has uh has ended up turning it back to either, you know, on court. 
or you know social issues around off court. He hasn't really gone with the back and forth this year. But you do believe that that was that was calculated, like he did that on purpose. Right? It's really hard for me. I mean, if you're including Serge Ibaka on that list, you're obviously fond of your time or you're fond of your memories in Oklahoma City, and to include. Harden and Ibaka, but mysteriously leave off the, uh, you know, the exactly. guy. And that's the other thing. Like, uh, you know, Harden was a six man uh, on those teams with Durant. It's not like it was the Harden of, uh, you know, like the Harden of, no, uh, of what you. he's playing with now in, in Brooklyn. I mean, I think that. That's a good point. It's really hard. It's really hard for me to think that that wasn't intentional. Yeah. And, and to me, I just feel like it's crazy because. You know, Kate, from everything early on in their career, and I mean, up until even recently, maybe even before, I would say maybe before he decided to join Golden State, you heard things that him and Russ was close. I mean, like off the court, hanging out off the court. When you you remember how much they defended each other in, in press conferences when they True. were in Oklahoma City. I mean, they it seemed like it was, uh, you know, the two of them against everybody else when it came to – answering accountability questions after tough losses in some of those early playoff series where they were really growing and establishing themselves as stars. It it always felt like they had each other's back no matter what back then. No, you're right. And that's what, you know, of course, I think in the height of the emotion when he first left to go to Golden State, I think that there were some things that maybe Kevin said, or excuse me, Russ said, or he didn't say, when Katie was taking bullets uh, about leaving and joining Golden State, and maybe that's rubbed Kevin a wrong way, and he hadn't been able to get a whole goal to that. Because I'll tell you this, Kevin, I don't know him personally, but Katie definitely comes across to me as one of those individuals that can be vindictive and carry grudges. Meaning like, oh, okay, that's how you didn't come to my aid? Oh, okay, well, I'm going to go out public and I'm going to name the top five teammates, and I'm not going to put you in it. Again, like I said, the guy just I, just, I just don't get it. And like I said, I hate Rudy's not here today because this would be one of those perfect ones, the example, the reason why people like me come after him, even on the Shannon Sharp situation. So, Can you think of any comparison from previous generations of a guy like KD, a guy that was just so thin-skinned and, you know, played the, uh, you know, went back and forth with the random fan? Like, I mean, I can't think of. Not on his level. No. No, and I know social media makes it a lot easier for them to. I mean, I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure there's guys that would yell at fans, you know, in the right, right. field bleachers, and it, it wouldn't become a news story like it does nowadays. But I, I, I mean, I can't think of another athlete that is so concerned about what the average fan in Nebraska thinks about him. Yeah, not, not definitely not his on his definitely not on his level. Uh, that we've I've said that before. I, I think he is in my generation at least. He is one of the most sensitive uh, athletes that has rabbit ears on everything. But no, not in not not in my not in my era. I can't see it. Seven three six nine seven sixty. What else we got going? All right, switching gears a little bit. Uh, Sam, okay, this soccer news coming down. Uh, this merger between these powerhouses or super teams in Europe. Educate me on this. What exactly is this? And is this good for the game on the world stage? In, in in short terms, it's probably in short terms, it's not good for the competitive balance of of global soccer. I mean, it, it's um, if you're 
if your goal is to always see the traditionally best players in the world play each other, uh, this is this is an idea that you would absolutely be interested in. I mean, it's basically it's basically taking twenty teams from uh, different leagues in Europe. Uh, you would have sixteen teams that would be permanent members of this league. So you're talking your Man City, Man United, Chelsea, Liverpool, uh, Real Madrid, Barcelona. You're talking the, you know, the upper upper echelon, and basically all the teams that end up making deep runs in Champions League every year. This would be a standalone league where they all basically have their own league uh, of these super teams and, and play each other and you know end up uh, end up having a, a little spin-off league that's separate of. Of, uh, of of the Champions League or Europa League, it's it's a it's a massive at, for lack of a better explanation, it's a massive cash grab or attempted cash grab by the richest teams in the world that know uh, if they are if they line up games against other um, powerhouse clubs consistently, they will make massive amounts of money in being able to sell streaming rights and being able to. Uh, you know, basically just being able to control how their product is, uh, you know, is put out there, and it it would it would absolutely kill the um, the current uh, economics of how global soccer is set up. I mean, this would this would be a it would be a proposed plan where only the rich benefit, and there's no. You know, there's no real viable path uh, for for a smaller club to ever reach that level because it it, it just creates this, um, and really creates a a caste system within the uh, within the tiers of of European professional soccer. I mean, I I don't think I I we're still a couple years away from when it would actually even be put into place, and with the I mean, you've got UEFA coming out today saying, um, you know, it will kick clubs out of Champions League uh, this week if we have to, if these guys go forward with uh, creating this Super League. So, I mean, they're they're attempting to yeah, attempting to call the bluff of these teams, attempting to scare them back into line. Um, I mean, looking at the looking at the final four of uh, Champions League right now. I mean, all of those. Uh, all of those clubs would be members of this uh, proposed Super League, and and that's why you know that's why UEFA feels so threatened by something like this because it, it's taking money, uh, taking the the power and the money out of their coffers, and, and um, in turn, it's why these super clubs are are so excited about the prospect of having their own league because they can control. Uh, you know all of those streaming rights control all of that uh, that pile of cash and only distribute it uh, amongst the you know, the twenty members of, of that super league and with the with all the permanent members receiving more. I mean it's it's a it's an idea that has has been floated within European soccer for twenty years, if not longer. Uh, this is the closest. Uh, I might you know, I might be short sighted on that, but this is the closest I can remember it ever coming to to actual fruition. I mean, at the end of the day, like I said, we're still two years away from from it, uh, pr- you know, proposedly starting up. I, I I don't think we I don't think we see it happen. But the fact that the fact that you have you know several 
uh, English clubs. I mean, even Liverpool playing today, Liverpool came out and said they would um, absolutely be a member of it and support the idea. But at the same time, in their pregame uh, press conference with with Jurgen Klopp, he came out and flat out said that is not an idea I'm interested in. That is, um, you know, that that's not a that's not a, a path that I want to see us go uh, in the future. So I, I think there's there's going to be endless debate on whether it's a good thing for the game of soccer itself. But I think in the short term, it, it's just a massive uh, attempted cash grab that I, I don't think we actually see even uh, but does FIFA, take place. In FIFA, um, aren't they threatening to ban certain guys? Oh, yeah. If they- yeah, I mean, you have had... You had uh, the Champions League, uh, you had UEFA come out today and say, you know, we'll kick teams out of Champions League this week if they move forward with this. And you've had uh, FIFA coming out and saying, you know, players that players that take part in this Super League will not be allowed to play in, in sanctioned FIFA events. So that would be the do Euros think, and do, that would be the World Cup. Do you think that's fair? I, I think FIFA is doing what it can to preserve the... Uh, the structure, the the heritage and, and structure of how European soccer is set up right now. I, I think it I think 16 teams permanently breaking off and creating a super league is pretty unfair to begin with. I mean that that to me uh, it just it screws the fans over in a sense where you know if you're the fan of a small club in England, your hopes of ever making some kind of Champions League glory or, or some kind of rise to a level of superpower uh, is non-existent in, in under that route. I mean, it it really screws. It benefits the fans of the super clubs in a sense, but it really screws the fans of, of any club that's in the middle or below. Okay, well, we we get back because you might have said it, but I missed it. But um, I got another question for you on that before we move on. Seven three six nine seven six. You listen to the sports crowd. We'll be back. Cornhole contest as well uh, tomorrow. And keep in mind, it's home of the free popcorn. Free popcorn seven days a week. That's going down at Brewster's Backyard Ice House, official sponsor of the sports crime. All right, so maybe you said it and I missed it because it walk away. But um, how long did how long have they been talking about this 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 change? I mean, this one, the the idea of this Super League has is something that's been talked about for for decades. I mean, going back to the to the early two thousands, the specific iteration that they're pushing forward with now. Um, really gained steam about three years ago or so, oh, something okay. like that. Um, okay, and, and it was driven uh, mainly the big the big factor of the teams that are that are really pushing for this is they don't want to have to miss out on all the money of missing out on Champions League. So when you see a team like uh, what really pisses off the super teams is when a team like Leicester wins the Premier League. Because okay. then a smaller team is taking a Champions League spot away from one of the powerhouse teams, oh, and that's—I I mean, you. we're talking tens of millions of dollars uh, in difference for, you know, like Man U playing in um, Champions League versus playing in Europa League. That—that's well, a massive difference. I in heard profit. them come out. I heard Man U come out not too happy with it. I heard they—they've already came out not pleased with it. But well, see, that's the interesting thing though, because it, a lot of these teams, it depends on who you talk to. So the—it seems like the 
um, majority of the managers uh, are are not in, uh, interested in it, even though you know, like Liverpool has committed to it. Apparently, if you re- if you believe the reports, and, and their manager uh, Jurgen Klopp before the game today came out and said, "Yeah, I'm, I'm still absolutely against it, even if right. you know, even if management is saying they support it." You know, I'm still here saying I think it's a terrible idea. So I think there's still, you know, even within within the, the you know the, the the locker rooms versus the the front offices, I think there's still a massive split uh, amongst the the teams that are even. But you being a guy on the because because I know you 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 stay. I mean, Rudy and I played the sport, but you keep up with the year round of these European leagues more than we do. So I'm gonna leave you with this question. So if this happens and this goes through. They're not. They're not losing you as your as your viewership as a fan. You're not. You're not feeling a certain way about it, are you? No, it's it's not. To me, it's it's the bigger repercussions of what comes after that. Because if um, you know, if FIFA follows through with their threats to to ban players uh, from playing in the World Cup or playing in the Euros, if they if they join one of these super leagues. Uh, I mean that's that's really killing the product on the field. See, I think and not to cut you off, but I think that's one of the points I wanted to bring up with bringing this topic up to you is because that point stands out to me about FIFA threatening guys not to play in the World Cup. And to me, um, I to me personally, I think that's a little too harsh. I mean, I get it because there's big money at stake, but to me, it's not like these players. I mean, yes, you know they've got unions, they've got stuff, but it's not like. They're the ones that's really pushing for this or making this happen. Yeah, you got some players like, yeah, I would like that, or it's more money for me, whatever. But to punish the players from their countries and say we're gonna that that's kind of pulling rank too much. If FIFA has not been, I know this is that FIFA has not always been. I would say on the up and up in general. Oh, it's never been on the up and up. You know what I'm saying? It's never been on. Okay, all right. I'm trying to be sugarcoat. Right. I was trying to be nice. No, there's bribery and fraud every six months. Exactly. At the highest levels. Yeah. To me, that's not that's not a good look. I mean, regardless of that, to sit there threatening players that they can't play for their countries, that's a little bit overboard to me. To be honest, it's as it's 100% a threat against the players but what that really is is a threat against the federations it's a right. it's a threat saying well look we're not going to accept your players if they play in the super league so it's trying to put the pressure on uh on UEFA on CONCACAF on the different you know uh continental federations of the soccer leagues to then apply their pressure, you know, trickle down to, to, to who they can pressure to, to put a stop to this uh, okay. league from even forming. It, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see who calls whose bluff yeah. if this does actually move forward. Because if this moves forward, we could be looking at a World Cup in, in you know, next summer or next winter because it's in Qatar. Um, you know, we could be looking at a World Cup without – 50 of the great That's 50 crazy. of the best players in the world playing in it. And That's I can't crazy. I can't imagine a scenario where we actually get to that. Okay. But, but it, I I couldn't have imagined a scenario where you'd have Premier League teams confirming in in the papers today, yeah, we're committed to this Super League. We're committed wow. to making it happen, which wow. is a pretty I mean that's a massive step uh a massive step closer than than we've ever seen to something like this actually taking place. For the listener that doesn't keep up or know the global scales of really what these these leagues, these European leagues, whatever, is there? Can you compare this to anything like any of the four major? Oh, absolutely. Sports? What can you I compare mean, this to? It, it what it is is imagine the 
Um, imagine the Lakers, Clippers, Nets, um, you know, Heat, all of the coastal uh, NBA teams that attract all of the free agents that you know have the the best track record of uh, having uh, destinations that players want to go to, regardless of what condition the team's in. Think of all of the NBA markets that have recruiting advantages built in breaking off away from the NBA and saying, you know, actually we're going to grab Barcelona and Real Madrid's basketball teams. um, And and we're going to form our own super, we're going to grab Tel Aviv. We're going to grab the best teams we can find in Europe. And we're going to make just a 20 team league and and just split all the money between us. It, 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 it's, it's insane to, it's insane to really compare it to any other sports leagues because there's not um, you know, there's no other sport in the world where there's e- as close to equally competitive league- leagues in different countries. You know, like there's no right. there's no other basketball league that's close in the world to the NBA. The NBA right. There's not one that's close. You know, soccer you at least have uh, some level of competitive balance I amongst the top leagues in the world where you have at least four leagues um, you know, England, Germany, uh, Italy, Spain, where you have at least four leagues that are somewhat competitively balanced at the very, very top, uh, so so you can pull those away and still form a competitive super league. I mean, it it, it like I said, it's I can't imagine we actually have reports and confirmation from Premier League teams saying they are committed to making it happen. That's that's a step closer than I ever thought we'd we'd get to talk about. Yeah, and I and I know. Uh, thanks for the insight on it. I know that's why I had it on the docket because I wanted to get uh, educated a little bit more about it in depth with you. But I, the way it came across to me over the weekend, or, well, with the news outlets or whatever, it was like almost like this is just something that happened. Like you know, the Mayflower truck showed up in Baltimore in the middle of the night and was moving stuff up. I mean, they made it seem like. This is just something like, hey, this is what we're doing, and we've got everything lined up. I did, that's why I was trying to find out how long have they been really talking about this because I haven't heard it you know, discussed too much in the mainstream, but I know I can count on you to kind of get us up to speed of what's going on with that. 736-9760. Um, definitely want to get into uh, – I said in the top of the last hour that I wanted to get into a little bit. Don't want to go all the way into it, but just want to give my thoughts on the, uh, the uh, 31 states with this House bill – uh, 1475 uh, just because we've had this topic on the show and in regards to it was the I think the Tampa Bay Times who kind of threw me back with their 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 front page of an article that they they read or they wrote in regards to this in regards to this bill that's kind of um, ban- banning transgender athletes to perform or to participate I should say uh, playing women's school sports and that such as college and NFL. So definitely want to get into that when we get back. Still got that Yankees fun fact. You know, Yankees are struggling. They got swept by the Rays this weekend and I've got a fun fact that I've came across uh, with you, uh, for you on that. Uh, definitely want to talk about that. You listen to the Sports Grind broadcasting here from the Rounders Car Club Studios. We'll be back. Today I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. Direct TV Stream brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part? There's no annual contract. So stop waiting and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. 
You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right, back here on the Sports Grind, 736-9760, broadcasting here from the Rounders Car Club Studios. Calvin Casey, Sam Spin, the one and twos. This next segment is going to be presented by the Thompson Law Firm. If you're injured in a motor vehicle accident by an 18-wheeler or commercial truck, you need a lawyer 20-plus years experience to get it right. That is the Thompson Law Firm is here for you. Call Jason himself at 210-900-0400. That is the Thompson Law Firm, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. All right, so uh, before I get into uh, my House Bill 1475 take and, and, and looking at Tampa Bay Times, let's go to the phones here uh, real quick. Let's go to Jazz. Jazz, you're on the sports ground here on Ticket 760. What's up, Jazz? Hey, Kelvin. How you doing? All right, Jazz. How you doing? Good, good. I just thought Sam did such a good breakdown of the Spurs earlier. I'd add on to it. Oh, okay, so, yes. It, what you got for yeah. us? Uh, well, basically, the difference of Saturday's game was that we finally played our identity, and our identity differs from most teams, which is speed. Okay. Because we have that youth and we have that athleticism, most teams can't keep up with us. Plus, we got two-way players like DeJounte, Derek, Keldon, Vassell. So, Patty, Rudy, and even DeMar, to a point, slow us down. But even, you know, worse than that, it's when Pop does all his play calling and controlling the game, and it slows down the team. And on Saturday, he didn't get involved, and he let them play their game. So our young guys are good defensively, you know. But we know that Rudy, DeMar, LaMarcus are not good defensively, and Patty's too small, which makes us lose or made us lose a lot of our games. Okay. So the Spurs should focus on the speed as our identity because we have the youth, and in a couple of years we'll be contending again because all the guys like Kawhi and Durant and Kyrie and all them guys that get Stephen, they're going to get older. They're going to start getting injuries and you know nagging stuff. So we have the, the right players to do the job, and we can add to that. But Saturday's game and letting them play with their speed and their athleticism stuff, I felt is the reason why it, we were so far ahead. But Suns didn't know what hit them. Right. They kept thinking they were coming back, but they couldn't do it because our game was so far ahead. No, I agree with you, Jazz. Before I let you go here real quick, because I know we'll get a chance to talk to you as much as we used to. So where is your, because uh, you have called in this show for years and followed this team close, so we respect your opinion. But what is your, what's your measuring stick for success for this team in 2021 this year? Is it, I mean, is it to get into one of those play-in games, the seven through uh, 10 spot or whatever it might be, the nine spot, or is it just, I mean, how are you measuring? What's your expectations for this particular team and coaching staff for this year? Well, I think they need to just focus on our future now. So if like, say for example, on Saturday, we let them play and they made it into the playoffs, we made it into the playoffs because of what our future team was going to look like. But when we're altering it and trying to make it and trying to get in and all that, it doesn't work. If it's natural, what what we're doing is making things too complicated. We're making everything difficult, making, forcing things and playing the politics and the same stuff that you and I and Rudy have been talking about for years. Mm -hmm. But if it was just simple and you took the guys for face value and their talent, let them play, 
we probably won't have a problem getting into the playoffs. And even if we didn't, we can at least see that these are our future and what kind of superstar, what kind of um, young, uh, up-and-coming, strong player do we add to our roster. So it's about understanding where we're at because we waited so long to get here. You and I know we've been talking about this for five years and we've been waiting for this. Hmm. So it's up to the coaching staff uh, collectively to get that part right so that we do have the future, not so much now, but the future for the Spurs, I think. All right, good phone call, Jazz. Nice hearing from you. Thanks for the phone call. 736-9760. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, I didn't look at it from that angle. I think, uh, you know, to me, I just think talent-wise, where every other team's in the West, I thought they were good enough to at least try to nab one of those six to eight spots. I've said this for years, like a broken record on this show. I've said that, that we're in that territory or that era, I should say, of where – your San Antonio Spurs are going to look it's they're going to be that team between 6 and you know I well technically I think they will be amongst that 7 to 9 team that that pretty much is fighting to get into one of those playoff spots because of the west or until these guys like Keldon uh you know uh Lonnie Walker until these guys get into their you know their fifth six year vets I mean and depends on what other draft pieces they add to them with those guys um, and, you know, who takes this money when a lot of this money gets freed up? If anybody takes it that well, is it still pop at the helm or we switch gone another gear? That The only time will tell. Uh, only time will tell. But um, the way they came back Saturday, um, regardless if, if Jazz is correct in her assessment or Pop just let them play, I think, and I said this last Thursday on the show, that it comes to a time to where, and I know, you know, I've been critical of Pop, you know, Jazz been critical of Pop, we've been critical of the show, but it comes also a time where the players got to make plays and they got to finish and they got to play. And that kind of brings me back to where I'm at kind of with Derek White and his struggles. Granted, he's dealt, he's been in and out of the lineup with injuries. He got off to a, a rough start because of an injury, a foot injury. So, uh, but that's what I will say about that. 736-9760. All right. So House Bill 1475 uh, is a bill that just reached Florida. Okay. It's 31 states are included in this, but the news has been the last 72 hours has been really what's come out of Florida because they've adopted the bill uh, that is going to ban transgender athletes from playing women in school sports at the high school and college level. Now, if you're not new to this show, which a lot of you haven't, uh, aren't, I should say, you've heard Rudy and I, even back with Salami's on the show, talk about this and where I stand. And to me, I didn't even know that this was a bill that was being talked about or in process. I mean, this has always been one of those touchy subjects per se. Uh, But what really kind of drew me back uh, with it, and I had to take a step back, is when the Tampa Bay Times did an article the other day. And it it really pretty much their headlines. uh, I want to get this right because I had this pulled up. It says, Banning transgender athletes from women's sports in the G- is the GOP's poor sportsmanship column. Well, first of all, to me, I don't even think that this is really everything is made political these days and times. But I think this is, and I, and I'm, I mean, hell, I'm 44 now, so I guess you consider me a little bit old school. But and I guess it's my old school way of thinking. And keep in mind, we've got to separate. This isn't about you know, uh, their human rights. This isn't about transgender human rights. This is not 
this is not a uh, pushback on that. It's not saying that they don't involve, they don't deserve the opportunity to do A, B, C, and D. This isn't what this is about. What this is about to me that isn't it, and I'm not going to use the word common sense, but it's like we we have over time and generation generations we have known uh, through just physical evidence. And the way we have been about that there are things physically that men can do absorb that is different than than women. And and that might not be the PC thing to say in this era today uh, in regards to equal rights and equal pay and women. I mean, hell, even uh, Gatorade has a commercial going on right now with Mike, with MJ. I think uh, uh, my girl, um, I think it's Mia Hams in there. They've got a, and and they've got a few other ones say hey anything you could do I could do too it's it's like a gender thing whatever so I get it where we're at but when we're talking about high school kids and high school and competitive and we're talking about competitive advantages if I had a if if I had a daughter of my own okay I got a stepdaughter she didn't she didn't chose to participate in the sport she didn't I was like you know that's on you and your that's on your mom and your daddy if you're my guy you at least try something you know like come on now you know but. She doesn't play sports. But if I had a child of my own that played at the high school level or the college level, no, I don't. And, 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 and she was a girl. If I had a, a girl as a daughter, no, I wouldn't want her competing against a transgender or somebody that was formerly as a man. Why is that? And, and, you know, they did a study. I think like 70% of people in this region or somewhere in that region, they were opposed to this. So it doesn't shock me, but I guess the numbers are 70%. Why is this not like what is wrong with saying that? What is wrong with it just coming down like, no, that's not. I mean, there's a competitive advantage in that. And th again, this has nothing to do with, you know, their rights. and nothing, But I'm just saying, like, is that really where we're at to where a headline of a newspaper and the Tampa Bay Times is going to come out guns a blazing and condemning anybody just doesn't think that this is right or there's a competitive advantage to it? I, I, I don't, I mean, I understand it, but I just feel like, wait a minute, slow down, man. Slow the roll. I mean, if I, and I don't think there's nothing wrong with saying that. I really don't. Uh, saying that, no, if I have a daughter, I don't want her competing against boys or men. You know, that's, I mean, you're, there's, there's so many layers to that, but that's just my thoughts on it. But it's 31 states is adopted. I don't know where Texas stands on this. I haven't re researched that they're in or if they're part of this bill, if it's up to vote or they've already adopted it. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of out there floating. Again, that's on the college level and the high school level. 736-976. You listen to the Sports Crime Broadcasting here from the Rounders Car Club Studios. We'll be back. All right, back here on the Sports Grind, broadcasting here from the Rounders Card Club Studios. This last segment of the day is going to be presented by Beto's Restaurant. If you're looking for an alternative to Mexican food, Beto's is the place. They offer a variety of different foods with a lot of different Latino background influences. Also, keep in mind, they are uh, the home of the famous fish tacos as well, too. That is Beto's official sponsor of the Sports Grind. Um, 
All right, so that's my thoughts on that 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 bill right there. Um, I'm going to keep my eye to that, but I just don't understand why we have to make that so difficult and political as well. When I, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, I think it's it would be kind of common sense in regards to when you're talking about competitive advantages and not competitive advantages, especially at the high school and the college level. Uh, a couple things that we didn't get to today that I'll I'll try to get to tomorrow. I know. Um, Kyle Pitts, I definitely want to talk about that as we're about a week and a few days away from the draft. Um, pretty much, you know, he has confirmed that he has spoke to Jerry Jones. Uh, and there's some other developments with that, too. I didn't know he was a hometown uh, Philly kid uh, raised out there. So there's some a little bit back to the story of that that I want to get in tomorrow. Uh, baseball, yeah, I told you the Yankees for the first time. Now, check this out. They got swept by the Rays over the weekend. And they're really struggling because when I look at the Yankees, the games that I've seen, uh, they're a team that uh, – and they've had this problem in the past, um, and it kind of reminds me of a Cubs team a couple years ago. But they're a team that just wants to swing for the fences. But this is the first time since April the 4th of 1998 that the Yankees hold sole possession of the worst record in the American League. The first time since 98. They're in last place. Now, granted, that year – if I'm not mistaken, that's the year they went on to win the World Series, too, in 98. So they're really struggling. Uh, but that's when I came across, I'm like, wow, they're in last place in the American League. That's the first time since then that that's happened. Uh, I know A-Rod last night, too, watching him on uh, baseball tonight uh, between you know Atlanta, when Atlanta was uh, beating up on the Cubbies. Um it's crazy because they brought up a topic that kind of, you know, Salami was ahead of the curb on about how you judge these Cubs of this era, you know, from the year that they won the World Series in there. But he kind of went in depth in talking about the game is really hurting because none of these, a majority of the ball, ball clubs don't want to develop pitching and they don't want to develop hitting. You know, it's looking for guys that can hit the ball four or five hundred feet, six hundred feet straight. Uh, we've always talked on here about how the, uh, you know, the idea of the switch hitter and the and the shift and everything. But A Rod really, like I said, I've got my feelings on A Rod, but him behind the mic doing play by play for baseball, he knows baseball. You know, uh, but definitely wanted to kind of get into that. Didn't have time, ran out of that. But tomorrow we'll get into the pits uh, comments. Also, uh, we'll look at some other things as well too. Special thanks to the producers of the show, myself, Calvin. Special thanks to Sam spending the one and twos today. San Antonio, Corpus, Laredo, Austin, Del Rio, people of Tyler, people of the Shaw City, people down the whole 305 South Florida region. When that alarm goes off tomorrow morning, before you hit the snooze button, before you're out the rack, just ask yourself, you grind in peace. See you tomorrow. Spark innovation across your federal agency with IT hardware, software, and services from Connection Public Sector Solutions. Your technology procurement challenges will meet their match as Connection's dedicated account managers offer exceptional customer service and our extensive list of supported federal contracts means you'll always get a price that works for your budget. Learn more about innovation for your agency with Connection Public Sector Solutions at connection.com slash fedcontracts.